Well, good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are about to get this party started. Um, about good news for those who care about audio quality. Um, about my microphone, I left it in the cave during the conference, and by the mercy and grace of God, our audio quality should be better <laughs> for the one or two camera geeks out there. Okay, with um, I think we're good to go. You make sure I'm all centered and looking Jesus happy. Amen. All right. Record. I'm going to trim this audio real quick. Awesome. I'm going to put up the flyer for our just recently completed conference. Hallelujah. I hope everyone was blessed um, during this incredible time together as we gathered at the feet of Jesus and we were fed. Um, lots of impartations, lots of glory, lots of blessings, a lot of utterance um, and judgment, exposure and revelation as well. The Lord was doing some wonderful things in our midst. Hallelujah. Um, are we so grateful? The Lord visits us. I think it's the, it's the coolest thing when we pray and the Lord hears us, you know, answers our prayers. Yes, it's expected, it should happen. That is the whole point of praying anyways, but it's always a wonderful thing to bear witness to that. Let me adjust my mic a little bit. I feel like it should be more centered. Like it's a little bit too. There we go, that's slightly better, okay. All right, so yes, I'm always so grateful whenever I witness this, it's always a blessing. So anyways, um, hello everyone, good evening. My name is Francis Seymour Jr. I wanna thank you so much for joining us this evening for um, Word For Now. Pastor Francis Seymour sends his greetings and his love, hallelujah. And um, a member of the Cable community, if you want to learn more about us, you can visit our website or check us out on Instagram, YouTube, or Facebook. Hallelujah. Um, thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Uh, we do not take it for granted that you take time out, um, whether passively or actively, um, listen to God's word. I hope it's more actively than passively, right? But at the same time, um, seeds are being sown no matter what. Um, you just, you receive more seeds when you're active. Um, there's a story of the parable of the sower and um, when someone's heart is overflowing with wickedness, um, there are birds. And these birds are evil spirits that we believe <laughs> um, are our companions. And when I say we believe, uh, whenever a child of God believes bad things are going to happen, whenever a child of God is not um, submitted to the ways of God, um, that lack of submission is not inherent. Amen. Our, as children of God, our... Um, our lack of conformity to God's word is not coincidental whenever we see it manifest, amen? It is very intentional. And I'll explain why as we go on, amen? Oftentimes you're going to see um, ignorance, amen? Um, that was set up by a system that the enemy puts in place. Or you will see an evil spirit directly administrating that darkness, amen? And we want to be sophisticated. Um, we want to be advanced. We want to be knowledgeable. We want to be as, as equipped as possible to deal with ignorance and to deal with evil spirits, amen? Hallelujah. And um, I'm saying all the, these things because um, these um, evil spirits, um, they come to steal the word of God, the parable of the sower says, amen? This only happens when you have um, an overflow of wickedness or superfluity of not, not, naughtiness, as it says in James chapter one. But let's say you work on your heart and then you're able to drive away all those evil birds like Abraham did, our ancestor did, amen? Then you have a heart that is, um, closer to um what we see in um actually still the parable of the sower 
um, a thorny heart. No, 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 you now have a stony or hard heart, okay? That's the next step. And then you, um, again, worth explaining the fact that in reality, because what Jesus Christ has done in and through us, in us, sorry, hallelujah, um, our hearts ought to be tender and soft towards God. But because we haven't experienced the sacrifice of Jesus, we haven't experienced, the Bible says, through knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many people. Amen. So it is by knowledge, by experience, by encounter. Amen. Um, when we say knowledge in, um, in Christendom, we are making reference to experience. Um, usually this comes by initiating encounters that set us off on a trajectory where God's word is branded on our hearts. Or actually, that's basically it. Yes. Sometimes like, encounters are vivid. Sometimes they're not vivid. Sometimes they are, um, they are, um, they can easily be dismissed. So for example, a child of God gives life to Jesus. He might not feel anything, but inside of him is God. Amen. This happens a lot. Hallelujah. Especially when it's a genuine salvation experience. When it's not a genuine salvation experience, and you don't feel anything. Well, that's because <laughs> nothing happened. Amen. And you know, because of the signs that follow the believer, right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. So um, the last of them is the cares of this world. Hallelujah. I'm mentioning different things um, that we want to be um, intentional about in our, in, as we're reaping the dividends, you know, per, you know um, um, partaking of the blessings that were given to us, digesting the impartation that were received throughout the conference and even through all these follow-up sessions. Amen. I'm happy we were blessed during open book yesterday. Mama ministered. It was powerful. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, what you want to do is that you want to um, take advantage of these resources, these, um, you know, these set out times and engage the Lord actively. Amen. Um, engage him with your reasoning faculties, engage him with your emotions, you know, singing worship to God with passion, engage him in obedience, obeying instructions you see set out in the scriptures, exercising yourself um, in things that maybe you might not otherwise do. Amen. Um, you want to practice those things and reap the dividends. Amen. As you interact with the Lord in this fashion, in this manner, you allow the spirits of God to sit, um, you know, his influence to sink deeper into the soul and arrest um, your faculties, um, the, the tools by which you make decisions. Amen. And um, yes, I mentioned the last one is the cares of this world. When that um, enemy is overcome, the last thing um, we now have is the degrees of patience in the soul where you have 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold, amen? In other words, as long as you're willing to stay with God's word, you will bring forth fruit, amen? And this is what we want for everyone in our communities, what we want in our own lives as well, amen? We all want to be fruitful believers, amen? This simply means that what the scripture is writing about, we see in our lives, amen? As epistles of Christ, we don't want to be... Um, we don't want to be... Um, how do I phrase this now? As epistles of Christ, amen, we don't want the word to be external, amen? Mostly because the truth of God's word is already on the inside of us in our spirit, man, amen? And God's intention, God's desire is that all of me will agree, amen, with what is in my spirit, hallelujah. Okay, I just wanna make sure that um, I got that on one or two, those one or two statements there I'm taken care of, amen? So I wanna encourage you, take time out to seek the Lord. Um, you can plan out the next few weeks I recommend from now till October, at the very least, you set out time. Man, why am I sweating? You'd set out time um, to feast on the Lord, to enjoy his presence, amen, to, to be with him, to love on him, amen, and also to begin to digest all of the different things that were received 
throughout the conference. Amen. Our goal is that we will not just have the words, you know, describing the things that happened, but that there will be a knowledge, amen, a tangible experience, not a experience, amen, but there'll be a branding, all right? There'll, there'll be, yes, a branding of, of the word of God that was received during the conference, amen? We want to bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. Hallelujah. I hope what I'm saying is making sense. When the Lord visits us, there ought to be a response. We want to make sure that we are responding appropriately. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we'll just start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for understanding, for wisdom, for skill, for utterance. Lord God, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the ministry of the Spirit of the Lord. Holy Spirit, we thank you because you are here to teach, to guide, to instruct, to impart, Lord God, to accelerate, to quicken, to heal, to deliver, to prosper. We say thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so um, last time, I'm going to give a quick recap. Um, last time, explained that um, um, the body of Christ, amen, is on a journey, amen. And when I say the body of Christ is on a journey, um, this objective of working at our salvation, amen, that was put on the inside of us by Lord Jesus Christ, amen, has a beginning and has a climax that, um, for this present age. What I mean by that is that the journey never actually stops, it's just that what this age, um, there is a limit to what can be experienced in this age. So once you cross that limit, you enter the next age. Does that make sense? And this is what God has made available for all of us. The Bible even speaks about us, you know, um, enjoying or tasting of the powers of the age to come. Hallelujah. And um, basically, I made, I made um, a lot of reference to many church fathers and explained that um, God in times past spoke through these prophets, these men, men of God. But we have to be intentional to understand that God is a spirit that is alive, amen? God is life, amen? God is light, amen? God is a spirit, God is love, amen? And God is always in motion, he's always moving. In fact, if you check Jesus in the scriptures, you never see Jesus really stagnant per se. He's always going somewhere. That's where most of his miracles are happening, amen? He's always on this like procession, always on a journey. He's always heading somewhere, amen? And I'm saying this because God is not static. God is not dynamic. Amen. The new creation man, amen, is more advanced than any technology that um, Satan at his peak, um, which is higher than humanity at, at her peak, amen, um, can afford, can muster, can even fathom, the scriptures tell us, amen. And we want to be intentional to make sure that we are not hindering what God wants to do while holding on to traditions. And at the same time, we do not want to neglect, amen, the, the testimony of Jesus that our ancestors brought to us. We have to make sure that we are honoring our, our ancestors, amen? And when I say honoring, what I mean by that is we are, so for example, um, we were visited by, Mama mentioned this yesterday, um, the witnesses of Kenneth Hagin, the witness of um, John the Baptist, and the witness of Moses, amen? Um, these are for lack of better words, um, the law, the prophets, and a New Testament manifestation of this, a witness in our present time. Now, ideally, the way I honor these witnesses is by receiving what the Lord Jesus Christ commissioned them to bring to the body. Does that make sense? I'm not receiving it as in being able to regurgitate it verbally, amen? We want to make sure that there is that spirit. So, <clears throat> I've said this before that en route to the climax of perfection, of maturity, of manifesting the fullness of God that is alive on the inside of us, amen, 
we are going to go through um, seasons of development and transition, okay? And all of these seasons of development and transition, they're going to bring us to a place. Let me make sure I'm phrasing this right here. Um, all of these seasons of development and transition, they're going to bring us, yes, they are measures of the spirits of God that are dispensed, amen, to us um, over periods of time. So it's like you have this full course meal of the full manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the flesh, amen? And then he is broken down into seasons, amen, that we get to partake of. And all of these seasons are tangible, potent impartations of the spirits of God that we're meant to, you know, digest, receive, amen? Um, consume, dine, amen? Feast on is actually the word I'm going for, amen? Now, we want to be intentional to make sure that we are feasting on the Lord and what that means that we are receiving these impartations successfully. Hallelujah. Now, the, um, I want to make sure I'm not losing track of why I said that. Come on. Um, maybe I should just, no, no, I'm doing a recap. Yes, 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 there we go. And so all of these witnesses of our Lord Jesus Christ, all of our church, all these church fathers, they didn't just come with a teaching, amen? They didn't just come with a doctrine. They came with a portion of the spirits of God which without that spirit, you will not be able to lay hold on. I think a verse of scripture that would help is Ephesians chapter five, Ephesians five, come on Bible, let's go. Hallelujah. I think from verse 22, let's see here. It's a popular portion of scripture. Let's go, let's go. Okay, Ugh, that is not consistent with what I'm looking for here. Hallelujah, give me one sec, let me figure out why that's acting funny. There we go. What was that? Interesting. Okay, we'll figure that one out later. But um, <laughs> wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband. Okay, I'm going to jump to verse um, 25. I think this is the popular marriage scripture. Also, shout out. Mama had a wonderful session on marriage today, by the way. Hope everyone's able to tune in. It was beautiful. Hallelujah. Okay, um, Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 25. Let me get um, tissues here to wipe my... <laughs> I don't know why I'm sweating. It's like so cold in here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Amen. So listen, listen up close, okay? We are sanctified by the washing of water by the word. I'm going to read that. Should put the scripture back up again, okay? We are sanctified and cleansed with the washing of water by God's word. So God's word brings or ushers in the washing of water. Hallelujah. Now, I, this is important because the Bible says that he that believes on me, as the spirit has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And the scripture goes on to explain this. He spoke of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So many times you see waters in the scriptures. Okay. The Bible is speaking about the Holy Spirit. Amen. So essentially what this means is that whenever teachings are released, whenever God's word is broken down, whenever there is a dispensing of the word of God, captured in the scriptures, amen, captured in the word of God are portions of the Holy Spirit. Now this is important to us because we want the spirits of God to penetrate our souls, our faculties, amen, and arrest, captivate our souls, amen, and therefore bring us into submission to the kingdom of God. I'll explain why I'm saying all these things in a moment, amen? 
But I hope you understand what I'm saying. These men of God, um, John the Baptist, Moses, Kenneth Hagin, amen? They came with portions of the spirits of God. Someone says, I already have the Holy Ghost. Yes, you do, amen? And I've explained before, you have the fullness of God on your inside. However, he is not being allowed to manifest right now the way he would want to. Or let me say it like this, the way that God has prescribed for us to come into manifestation, where our true form is seen, all right, is through strict processes captured in the scriptures. They are laid out, all right, through uh, many illustrations like the seven feasts of God, or even the tabernacle, amen. And what all of these things are portraying, amen, is for lack of better words, a journey from conception, okay, when you when um Christ in you is first delivered, amen, and manifest inside of you, in your spirit, man, to the place where he explodes, basically Christ who is in you, the hope of glory, is now seen, I would say hope that is seen is no longer hope, but hope that is seen is the substance of things hoped for. It's faith, amen? And the climax of that is love, hallelujah. And so essentially, that journey from the beginning to the end of faith is called the salvation of our, our souls, amen? If you have any questions about anything I'm saying, or if I end up being confusing, please let me know, amen? But we want to make sure that we are receiving all of these measures simply because without this process, the manifestation of Christ in us, amen, that is the outward expression of Christ will not take place, amen? There is the organic explosion that takes place when you first get born again. But getting born again is one feast. Your soul only partakes of one feast, amen? God has um, six other feasts that the soul has to partake of before your union with Christ is tangible. Your union with Christ cannot be, den be denied, amen? There's verses in the scriptures, in the book of Joel, for example, where the question is asked, um, why should the heathen say, where is their God? They can only ask these questions, amen, when the sons of God have not been made manifest yet, amen? So for this reason, we are going to give ourselves to these processes that God has prescribed for us to come into. And part of this is receiving the ministry of the apostles, the prophets, right? The pastor, the teacher, amen? Many of these men of God, amen, that hold, held these offices, some of them have gone on to be with the Lord. They're in the great cloud of witnesses, as described in... um. Hebrews chapter 12, hallelujah, chapter 11, actually, 11 and 12, amen? And what ends up happening is that many times the angels they worked with, that specific um, um, impartation that they're meant to give, okay, it bears their name, if that makes sense. So you're going to find um, the spirits of Elijah, the spirit of Moses, amen, coming to visit you because that specific impartation, it is due time for you to receive of that, if that makes sense, hallelujah. I hope everything I'm saying is making sense, amen? So I'm saying all these things because we are meant to feast on these things. Which, which things are, uh, Mr. Friends? What are you talking about? Go through the conference, listen, okay? Um, go through the conference, drink, amen. Go through the conference, um, pray, fast, amen. Go through the conference, take notes, amen. Dream, imagine, reason, ask questions, amen. Don't be passive, amen, be intentional. And the fruits of this diligence, amen, is that you're going to begin to have visitation and encounters that will bring you into a place where you can be branded upon, by God's word. Sometimes this process will require that you obey some instructions, but keep in mind, okay, that the end goal is that we successfully feast and dine, amen, until we manifest, amen. I love our Christian walk, amen. We eat things, all right? This is the narrative we see in the book of Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, where God laid out, amen, in the Garden of Eden on um, these trees that were meant to bring Adam and Eve into life, amen, his life. 
And by feasting on the judgments of God laid out in all of these trees, they were meant to come into or evolve into um, life-giving spirits. Hallelujah. For us in the New Testament, we are already life-giving spirits. What's happening now is that our souls, amen, which have experienced the corrupted um, living soul life, we now have the assignment, amen, of letting go of the debris of the, of the old man, of, of allowing the old man to die, amen? And the way we allow him to die, the Bible says, we by the spirit to do mortify the deeds of the body, amen? The spirit's mortification of the deeds of the body is what happens with God's word. I was sharing an encounter that Paul Keith Davis had where um, he saw himself in like space and um, he saw like a star in the horizon and this angel came and took him by the hand and teleported him to like right where that star was. And what happened was that one star became a constellation of other stars. They formed like a, an elliptical constellation. And he heard a voice that said, these are the thrones of your soul. And what happened was as he went to each of these stars one by one, he saw um, what looked like angels. Okay, all of them had these firm faces. They looked resolute, they looked serious, they looked, they weren't playing around, amen? And he went to the first one, saw a firm angel, another one, another stern looking angel, serious looking angel. And the third one, he saw like a Tasmanian devil looking creature. Um, Tasmanian devil is a creature from Looney Tunes. If you're a kid and you watch any of those, if, you, if Looney Tunes was on the air when you were a kid, you know what I'm talking about. You can still look it up on YouTube if you want to. I don't know why I want to do that. Anyways, he saw this creature sitting over that place. And that was when understanding came in. Oh, each of these places here are different areas of my life. Some of them are fully submitted to God. And so because of that submission to God, there is an angel of God that is there defending that position. And some of them are not submitted to God. So because of that worldliness sits over there. What is worldliness? Where you go with the flow. You're not submitted to God's laws. And so when the trends of this world beckon, when they lean onto you, you lean in whatever direction, you're under the control of a dark influence, amen? Which is weird because you ought not to be, right? Hallelujah, the Bible said we've been set free from all these things, but there's errors of, in our hearts and our minds that have not yet come into agreement with this truth. And so we have to feast on liberty, feast on God's word. Literally what happens, the angel gives him a cistern um, filled with water. And as he pours water on that Tasmanian devil, the creature begins to lash out at him but the creature is not able to hurt him, actually. But so he keeps on pouring the water until it begins to shrink and shrink and shrink. And as soon as the Tasmanian devil disappears, an angel of God, also with a serious and stern face, appears and takes his place. Hallelujah. And that was when the picture of, of um, redemption, um, sorry, the picture, yes, of, of experiencing redemption um, comes in, where you as a child of God, you experience the redemption that is in you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. It is important that we understand that we are meant to experience what happened to us at the cross. Forgiveness of sins that we have received in our spirit, man, has to be encountered. The reason why people are dealing with um, addictions and different struggles is not because they are not born again or they're not saved. It is because they have not yet encountered forgiveness of sins in that area. Once you encounter, once you meet with, once you experience, once you know that you have been cleansed from your sins. You are not going to have those desires anymore. Many times, it is just an understanding, amen, that is ministered to you, and all of a sudden, you know you don't have to subscribe to, these, to, to that influence anymore. Sometimes, it is a literal, like a vivid encounter that happens where you feel, all right, a subduing of that influence in your soul, okay? Sometimes, other factors 
difficulties are tampered with. The end goal is that you are no longer submitted to that Tasmanian devil, but your heart, amen, has God's word ruling over it. I would say like this, God's word is sitting on the thrones of your soul, amen? Hallelujah. Um, I think um, I would I would say this part to help out. When all of the thrones of your soul are arrested, all right, your soul begins to experience something called the kingdom or the dominion of God, where the person that dominates the soul is almighty God. This is the objective of the Christian walk. You see places in the Bible that say that, that things are said like, um, <clears throat> after you have done the will of God, sorry, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but those who do the will or the desire or the pleasure of my father, which is in heaven. So the desire of God is for each of the different areas of your life to bow the knee to the Lordship of Jesus. Amen. Now, the way this happens is by feet. You know, oftentimes it's worth explaining the way these things work on the other side of things. Amen. Let me open our, let's open our Bibles real quick to the book of Daniel chapter three. Hallelujah. In Daniel three, um, Nebuchadnezzar had a vision. Amen. I think I should do Daniel two. Well, let me just read this part first though. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and it's width six cubits. Now I've said before, I said this a few times before, okay? This is what the mark of the beast is. Amen. This is like a progenitor, ancestor, a prototype of the mark of the beast. And I say prototype as in it's not as fully developed or sophisticated as the mark of the beast is, but it's a pointer to it, okay? So when, whenever you're thinking about the mark of the beast, this thing here that Nebuchadnezzar made should be coming to mind. And I say that because if you look here, you see it, it is um, an image of gold with a height of 60 cubits and it's with six cubits. Hallelujah. Now, this image that um, Nebuchadnezzar built, all right, with a height of 60 cubits and width of six cubits, amen, was actually revealed to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream. Amen, which we're going to look at right now. Hallelujah. In this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, if I can find the exact, no, Daniel chapter two, I want to find the exact verse where Daniel breaks down a dream. He reviews it to um, Daniel then, okay, I think it's from 31. Hallelujah. Lest I spend all my time here scrolling. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. So when he built this image, he built an image that was 60 cubits by 6 cubits, okay? Now, I'm going to keep on going. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome, okay? The language you see in this chapter of Daniel suggests heavily that this was a likeness of something. Okay, now this obviously looks like a human, amen, the image of a human being, but the, um, the language the scripture uses here is the word image. Isn't that interesting that God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And we see here a contrary image, that image that God had in mind. That's what Nebuchadnezzar saw. I just want to make sure that's understood. He has a reading this. This image's head was a fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze and its legs were of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay, its legs of iron, its, oh, sorry, I said that. You watch till um, 
watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. And the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like shaft from the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found, okay? Later on in verse 36, Daniel says, this is a dream and we will tell you the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, excuse me, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power and strength and glory. Wherever the children of men dwell or the beasts of the field and the birds of the, hev of, of the heavens, he has given them into your hand, okay? You are this head of gold, hallelujah. Now, I wanna explain something. The actual head of gold was not Nebuchadnezzar. I'm gonna say it again. Someone says, the Bible just said that the head of gold is Nebuchadnezzar. Please listen to me, okay? Many times in the scriptures, amen, whenever God wanted to judge a spiritual entity, all right, you see prophets, they will scan for the footstool, <coughs> excuse me, of this spiritual entity, all right? And usually it's some kind of governing individual, some individual whose prosperity is tied to the agenda of that spirit, okay? The person I'm speaking about right now in this context here is King Nebuchadnezzar, who happened to be prospering because of an entity called the King of Babylon, okay? The King of Babylon was not really Nebuchadnezzar. The King of Babylon was an evil spirit. I'm going to say this again. The King of Babylon was not Nebuchadnezzar. The King of Babylon was an evil spirit. I'm going to say it one more time. The king of Babylon was not actually Nebuchadnezzar. The king of Babylon was an evil spirit. You see this with Daniel, a man when he's interceding in Daniel chapter 10. And an angel was sent um, to minister to Daniel the answer to his prayers. But what happened was this angel was withstood for 21 days by an entity referred to as the prince of Persia. We can just go there real quick. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 10. Um, let's start now from verse um, 12, okay? Please, if you do not understand anything I'm saying, please let me know. Hallelujah. So the angel says this, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I came because of your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Do you see how the prince of Persia is actually a constellation of entities called the kings of Persia? Amen. The Bible speaks about entities called principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this age. Amen. You see that in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I'm, I'm pointing this out because these entities if you check the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had and Daniel's interpretation, Captain Daniel chapter two, you will discover that these entities are as follows. I'm going to call them out right now, okay? They are Babylon, the first one, which Nebuchadnezzar was a footstool of. The second one was Persia. The third one was Greece. The fourth one was um, Rome. And the fifth one is going to be, or is, or now is, the kingdom of the Antichrist, amen? Now, each of these five entities, there's actually seven of them, but this dream was looking from the present forward. There were two kings that were alive before, and those two kings that were alive before were Assyria and Egypt, 
Let me say it again. So altogether, all seven of them are Assyria, Egypt, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and the kingdom of the Antichrist. These seven form the, what is called the seven kingdoms of this world. I'm going to say this again, okay? These seven entities, they form what is referred to as the seven kingdoms of this world. Now, in Daniel's vision, he saw, sorry, in Nebuchadnezzar's vision, he saw the kingdoms of this world form a man, form an image. This is the Bible's way of prophetically letting us know that the seven kingdoms of this world are interested, amen, in tampering with the configurations of the soul, in tampering with the image of a human being. By image, we don't mean the way you look when you take selfies or making reference to the way you live your life. Hallelujah. We're talking about resemblance in the soul. Amen. <clears throat> resemblance in the soul speaks about spiritual heritage. It speaks about um, mannerisms. So, for example, when God tells you to do something, the way you respond, when Satan tells you to do something, the way you respond, all of these are subject to the image in the soul. Amen. The image in the soul is actually um, comes as a consequence of the image you are beholding. Hallelujah. And I'm saying all these things because the Bible encourages us as believers, amen, um, to if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, we um, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, amen. Essentially, the Bible is letting us know that whatever image you are beholding is the image that you are becoming. For us as new believers, what's happening is that as we behold the glory of the Lord, is actually a process of feasting amen so let me rephrase it like this whatever you are feasting on whatever your faculties are feasting on because that's what beholding is beholding is when you are feasting your eyes ever heard that phrase before feast your eyes on this okay the beholding captured in second corinthians chapter three is not your physical eyes if you read the scriptures very carefully you can tell it's not your physical eyes amen it is actually the eyes of your understanding and what is prescribed in second corinthians chapter three is that the eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light, amen? What this speaks of is that you are digging in to who Christ is, amen, to the realities of Christ Jesus, and the fruits of that is those things that are blocking, okay, that are frustrating um, your organic or natural manifestation that supposedly should have been automatic blossoming of the likeness of manifestation of Jesus Christ on these side of you, they're taken out of the way, and the fruit of that is that you now look exactly like him. Does this make sense? Hallelujah. Here is the interesting thing. What I just described now, the opposite of that is what you're seeing in Daniel's vision, in Nebuchadnezzar's vision. It's a great image, amen? And this great image comprised of the seven kingdoms of this world. Hmm. Um, if we look at Daniel chapter 7, we will see these creatures in action. <clears throat> Excuse me, or spelt out, amen? So in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, oopsie, Nebuchadnezzar sees these creatures as separate entities. Basically, he sees them as, he sees them as one entity, sorry, right? He sees the full image, okay? That image that Nebuchadnezzar saw that was called Babylon, Persia, um, Greece, Rome, and King Antichrist, okay? That full image was actually because of these creatures we're about to read here in Daniel chapter 7, okay? In the first year of Belshazzar, Babylon had a dream, I'm going to jump to verse 2. 
I saw, behold, four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. The first, man, I hope I have water somewhere. My throat is blessed. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off. <clears throat> it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man. Hallelujah. A man's heart was given to it. Isn't that interesting? This is what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, huh? That evil spirit manifested on Nebuchadnezzar when he um, rebelled against God. Hallelujah. Okay. Suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was raised up on one side and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. And he said thus to it, arise, devour much flesh. And I looked and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. And after this, I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it. And it had 10 horns. Now, these 10 horns correspond to the 10th. Remember the vision that Daniel, that Nebuchadnezzar had, that Daniel interpreted in Daniel chapter 2? The 10 horns of the kingdom of the Antichrist correspond to the 10 toes of the image, amen, that you see in Revelation chapter 13, which we know as the mark of the beast, amen. The mark of the beast is a resemblance to Satan. I'm going to say it again. The mark of the beast is a resemblance to Satan. Amen. This resemblance might be accelerated by different means. What I've seen is um, the Lord explained to me once that each of the kingdoms of this world, they function differently. Each of these seven kingdoms, they all worked at different points in time and they function differently. You see Babylon, um, I believe Babylon was one of commerce and the love of money. Um, you see Persia, I think, I can't remember Persia was like laws and um, the law of the Medes and Persian, which cannot be broken. Maybe it was, anyways, um, Greece was about logic, wisdom. I can't remember what, I think Rome was religion. Hallelujah. And that's when um, Babylon invaded the church world. The kingdom of the Antichrist. I believe, Mama has made reference to this a lot, amen, that this last kingdom of the, of the, of the Antichrist is going to be um, as a, um, a marriage of um, technology and genetic engineering, amen? And one of the reasons why I believe this is because the Lord told me I should not be na naive about the COVID vaccine, that um, yes, this might not be the mark of the beast, but what is happening here is that all of humanity is being shepherded, all right? The, the um, I'm sorry if I, if I just jumped to the COVID vaccine right away. What happened with the COVID vaccine was that it was a vaccine that tampered with people's DNA, amen? And um, first of all, that thing is dangerous. I'm going to say it again. That thing is dangerous. Um, I'm going to say one more time. That thing is dangerous, um, I'm going to say one more time that if you want, I can send you guys a link to a video called Uninformed Consent. And it's a video that exposes that many people, apart from the casualties that took place because of the COVID vaccine, <coughs> the bullying that was taking place to force people to take the vaccine because people didn't really scared of COVID, to be honest with you. But then even more so, the way the government played around with numbers to make it look like the vaccine was effective. So statements like COVID vac vaccine is safe and effective are complete lies, 
Amen. I want to encourage you, beloved. Um, if you're contemplating, I don't know why you want to do that right now, because there's no need for that anyways. Um, but just keep in mind, there's more diseases coming and scary things coming too. This is time for us to receive that impartation with Kenneth Hagin, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. We actually have to begin to labor in this, in this respect, to be honest with you, if we're meant to thrive in the years to come, because the enemy can see someone that has the potential to put a dent in the kingdom of darkness. And he's just going to be like, all right, cool. Let's see what you're going to do in this area. Hallelujah. And so we as believers, we have to be very intentional about stewarding our bodies. Okay, let me keep this going here. And I'm saying all these things because priesthood, amen, which is a subject matter we've, we're not unfamiliar with here in the cave, is hereditary. It is genetic. You see that it's Aaron's children that are able to be priests. You see that um, in bloodlines, you see um, there's priestly lineages, all right? People from this home, from this family. And um, I've explained this before about the sons of Seth and the sons of Cain and how each generation there was a looking for the person that, you know, that fits the bill to move the agenda of the family forward, if that makes sense. Essentially, what I'm trying to say here is that there are specific genotypes, there's specific um, um, genes, if present, make you very, very, um, so I say fitting, um, pleasing to spirits. Amen. I want you to imagine if, um, as we approach the end of the ages, and there's dark scientists who've come to understand that they could drive the progress of an evil spirit forward, hallelujah, if, please hear me out, okay, <clears throat> if they're able to tamper with the genes of the people so that that evil spirit is able to entrench itself into multitudes of people. Just, let's just say, for example, now the COVID vaccine was meant to make a specific evil spirit, okay, um, give it um, a stronger grip on in humanity that without its presence, humans would have shrugged it off. I know what I am saying. Many of humans are of our technology right now on the earth. Let me give an example. Many of us, we struggle with being focused, being concentrated and stealing our minds. Take away WhatsApp, take away Instagram, take away Facebook. You take these away, the evil spirits that are disturbing you, they don't have all the strength anymore. Does that make sense? Amen. You take some things away, and that's the end. And all these things you have to take away, man-made inventions, technologies that are meant to help um, our lives. Amen. If you take these things away, you're going to find that many of the evil spirits that are fighting your prayer life are nowhere to be found. Amen. Now, <clears throat> what if you could not take them away? What if, you, what if the technological advancement that they want to now put is inside of you? So in other words, you will now be trapped, amen, with this affinity for that evil spirit. <clears throat> Who understands what I'm saying here? Uh, this, is, this is not me saying that that's what has happened yet, but I know this is going to be the case very soon. My mother has spoken about this before, amen? And I believe that very strongly for many reasons. I'm just learning that many of the things we call science fiction, all right, people who are pioneers, okay, they dream of these things and they're like, huh, why can't this thing happen? Usually science fiction comes from um, um, well, some theories that have not yet had been grounded in reality yet, but people are working on them actively. Hallelujah. Okay, so I'm saying all these things because each of the seven kingdoms of this world, they manifest uniquely, okay? Now, please hear me out, okay? All of these kingdoms of this world, 
they are seeking to do something. The word there is the dominions, the seven dominions of this world. They're also called the seven heads of Satan. You see, Satan in Revelation chapter 12 has seven heads. Those seven heads are these kingdoms, Assyria, Egypt, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, and kingdom of the Antichrist. These are the seven heads of Satan. They are called the seven kingdoms of this world. Let me explain one or two things that I think will help us out. Hallelujah. You know, understanding that what I'm saying is not useless, useless. Amen. <laughs> oh, man, come on. This is um, looking at Matthew chapter four. Let's start from verse seven. Hmm. This is Jesus's um, temptation experience while he's in the wilderness. Uh, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Then the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain. Okay. Why did Satan take Jesus to an exceedingly high mountain? Amen. You see, uh, let me say it like this. He wanted to show Jesus something. And when you have buildings obstructing your view, you're not able to admire. Does that make sense? Basically, what Satan did was that he took distractions away from Jesus and put Jesus' focus on something. All right. I'm saying this because some of my readers and think that um, an exceedingly high mountain is where basically what about this is a parable. This is a parable here, okay? Um, and it's speaking about the a place where there are no distractions. On mountains, there's nothing in your way. So whatever you're looking at, on the mountains, you can see an entire city. You can see an entire nation, an entire landmass. I'm sure we understand what I'm saying, right? Okay. And in this place, on this high mountain, Satan showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Now, Satan was not lying when he said this, amen? If Jesus had fallen down to worship Satan, worship is a, listen very close, okay? Worship, according to the scriptures, is an art form, okay? Of yielding your faculties, all right, to an influence. I'm gonna say this again. Worship is an art form of making your faculties vulnerable to an influence. So for us as believers, right, when we are singing worship songs to the Lord and we are actively participating, that counts as worship, amen? When you are obeying an instruction that God set to, gave you, okay, whether or not you feel like it, but you're obeying in response to God's word, that is an act of worship, amen? When you are meditating, okay, and your heart is being thrilled, all right, by your interaction with God's word. That is worship. Worship is not a song. Amen. Worship is when you're fat. Paul spoke about, I think it's in Romans. Whoever members, whichever member, whoever you yourself as ah, members to obey, you become a slave of him. Members, uh, slave. That's in Romans. Why is my Bible app? Whoever yield your members. <laughs> there we go. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Okay? As you have yielded your members as servants to uncleanliness and iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members as servants of righteousness unto holiness. This is Romans chapter 6, verse 13 and 19. Amen? So basically, this art form of worship, amen, is yielding your members to an influence. What Satan was saying here is he was actually prescribing for Jesus. The only way for you to receive these glories is to worship me. Open up your heart to this influence. 
Amen. Now he took all the distractions away. Isn't the devil a good tempter? He all the distractions away. He wanted to show Jesus Christ the beauty of the seven kingdoms of this world. Now, please hear me out, okay? <clears throat> what he showed Jesus Christ was not just Dubai, amen, and Paris. <clears throat> what he showed Jesus Christ, amen, were the glories of Satan's life, amen, the full manifestation of the glories of Satan's life. Those glories have not yet been seen in their fullness on the earth yet. They have been administered as feasts over the last few ages, right? We've spoken about the empires of Assyria, Egypt, right? Egyptian Empire, the Syrian Empire, the Babylonian Empire, Persian Empire, da, 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 okay? Even those glories were not adequate for what the enemy wanted to, to deploy upon the earth. To explain what I mean by some of these things, I think a, a verse of scripture would help. Let's go back to that Daniel chapter 10. Again, from verse, was it 19? No, 17? Let's start from verse, uh, from verse 12. Aha, I think that's what we read before. Do not be afraid, O Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now, The way that, or the places that spirits wage warfare is not really in the sky. It is in the hearts of people. I'm going to say this again, okay? There is no evil spirit fighting with an angel of God. Amen? What is happening is that when there is warfare taking place between evil spirits and human beings, okay, what's happening is that evil spirits are tempting someone. And when I say tempting, I don't just mean <clears throat> fornication, adultery, robbery, lying, stealing, cheating, the Ten Commandments, amen? Sometimes the temptation is to conform to this world and reject the transformation that comes from presenting our bodies as living sacrifices unto God. For Daniel, in this case, it was enduring the full length of the fast. Hallelujah. If Daniel had decided to let go of that consecration and yield his members, all right, into the Persian or Babylonian lifestyle, that angel would have lost the battle. Does this make sense? Hallelujah. When people have dreams or visions about more angels being released and more angels or whatever, usually it's because either a charismatic moment has come, there's been a supply by another member of the body, amen, hallelujah, or um, someone has been yeah, supplied by a member of the body, yes. And the consequence of that is that these angels will now begin to pour the glory of God on, into your soul and allow your members to yield more to God. Does all this make sense? Basically, what I'm trying to say here is that the way these entities wage warfare is not really by using sword and knife and stabbing each other. It is actually by persuading the human soul. Does this make sense? So when Babylon was on this fast here, Beautiful. Our consecration affects our angels. Someone said that beautifully. Okay. This is the reason why it will seem like some people's angels are more manifest. Please understand you have angels around you, whether you're consecrated to God or not. Amen. They are there. They are waiting for you to interact with them. They're waiting for you to engage them actively. Amen. But please understand also, all right, that they require levels of conformity. All right. They require that we ourselves, we step into layers of conformity with the image of Jesus Christ, or at the very least, <clears throat> we present our bodies as living sacrifices unto God 
and we deny conformity with this world. Amen. Now, because of Daniel's consecration, all right, what ended up happening, beloved, hallelujah, is that that prince of Persia was no longer able to withstand the angel that was sent to Daniel because another angel was sent. Because Daniel, what, what did Daniel do? He prevailed and his, his prevailing in that, um, in that um, long suffering, in that exercise of patience, all right, led to a release of another entity, amen? And when this entity was released, what happened? Um, strength was ministered, amen? And when that strength ministered, this angel was able to go on ahead and deliver the message. Hallelujah. We see example of this with Jesus, right? He said something in the Garden of Gethsemane. The spirit is willing, but the, um, the flesh is weak. So what did he say to do? Pray that you will not fall in the hour of temptation, right? In the hour of trials. What did he do? He began to pray. And the Bible said that as he prayed, he prayed until an angel of God came and then ministered strength to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I hope everyone understands what I'm saying so far, okay? What, what am I getting at here? The kingdoms of this world, these entities, those beasts, we saw in Daniel chapter 7, the prince of Persia, the kings of Babylon, the king of Babylon, the king of Persia, the king of Greece, the king of Rome, the, king of the, the kingdom of the Antichrist, amen, all of these entities, they seek to do one thing, oppose the will of God, oppose the agenda of God, and they do this by offering us juicy, delicious, dare I say spicy alternatives. How do I know this? Because of what, um, what um, Satan did to Jesus when he was in the wilderness. When he showed him the seven kingdoms of this world and he told him, you will be able to feast on these if you will just open up your heart to me. So what was happening? He had been bombarding Jesus' heart and there was no way to go inside. So he said, ah, let me inside your heart. He now showed Jesus, behold, look at what I have to show you here. Amen. Now, this is what Satan does for all of us in little quantities here and there. Amen? And I say little quantities here and there because what he actually does is that he lies to us. When I say lying, Satan's lying to us does not mean he's not going to give us what he promises us. Amen? Everything that Satan promises you, he's going to give you. What I mean by that is that if he promises you the kingdoms of this world, he will give them to you. Congratulations. <laughs> Can you just imagine what a tragedy it would have been? If Jesus succumbed to that temptation, he would have traded what? The throne of God for what? For nothing. All that Satan has to offer us is air. So he's not lying. He'll show you that thing he's showing you. He'll give you that thing he's showing you. But that thing he's showing you, remember what we, the vision that we saw, that um, Nebuchadnezzar saw, that when the stone cut without hand struck the, the image of gold, the gold became as sand. Showing that what? The image, an image of sand. You ever heard that, that statement, a straw man argument? Hallelujah. What Satan has to offer us are lies. Lies. Now, these lies are very persuasive. Satan is called the father of lies. He's been lying for millennia. He's been lying so much, he persuaded principalities and powers to join him in rebelling against God. <laughs> Amen. He, per he persuaded Seraphim. Amen. To join him in his rebellion against God. Hmm. Hallelujah. <laughs> So basically, what, I'm, what am I saying here, all right? The seven kingdoms of this world, all right, they do something to the soul by the soul partaking, all right, by our faculties being vulnerable, all right, to the influences of the seven kingdoms of this world, one's heart is conformed into the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw. Does this make sense? 
Hallelujah. So if I begin to live a worldly life, amen, what is happening to me is that I am receiving what is called the mark of the beast. Is everyone listening? And what he brings to us is so small. Yes. What if he brings the same lies laid down for Jesus? How are we going to cope? Jesus Christ was a wise man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. This is the same temptation he, he, um, Satan gave to Adam and Eve. Amen. And Adam basically went for it. He went for, he went for Satan's um, um, boy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I'm saying all these things, okay? Talking about um, the dominion of this world, okay? Someone that is governed, all right, by the kingdoms of this world, all right, that is what the mark of the beast is, all right? It is a scar on the soul, all right? An irreparable scar on the soul, all right? It is a branding. Hallelujah. Now, do you know that? Do you know that? Satan is not the only one that has branding. In fact, if you check the scriptures, you will see that the first person to initiate branding was actually the Lord God himself. Amen. If you check the book of Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible explains to us that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. It's Ephesians chapter 1. Let's, let's read that scripture real quick. And with this, we can um, this be our precursor into the seventh feast of Israel. Hallelujah. Let's start from verse 11, verse 13. <laughs> I think that's better. All right. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, what does this mean? This means, okay, that's your faculties. Amen. Faculties of your soul were taken captive by the spirits of God once you believed in the gospel. Amen. Now, this deposit, the Bible says that. Let's read this, okay? Let's read this. This sealing, I don't want to use the New King James here. It doesn't tell the, the narrative the way I know it's meant to be told. Because I know what the Bible is saying. Let's use the Message Bible. <laughs> it's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, the message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we will get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. Please listen, okay? That initial captivity of the spirits of God, where the spirits of God holds your soul, amen? Takes hold of your faculties, amen? Is the first installment, amen? There are other installments en route, amen, to what the scripture refers to here as the, sorry, I thought I, uh, go again, there we go. All that God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life, amen. Essentially, the scripture is saying here, amen, that there is something that God has set in front of us, amen. The manifestation of the life of God is on the inside of us. Now, this life that God has on the inside of us is the manifestation, the showing of this thing is captured in the seven feasts of Israel. Just like how the manifestation of the man of sin is captured in, through the seven kingdoms of this world. Can everyone see what I'm, what I'm trying to set out here, okay? By feasting, okay, by going through all of these seven feasts, amen, 
we arrive. We start off with um, Passover, and we first get born again, and we receive the sealing of the spirits of God. We go through unleavened bread and then first fruits, and then we get to a feast called Pentecost, where we are initiated into our priesthood with understanding. Amen. And from Pentecost, we go on to the Feast of Trumpets, then the Day of Atonement, and ultimately the climax that we know as the Feast of Tabernacles, where our union with God is manifest, the life of God can be clearly seen, and a heathen can no longer ask the question, where is their God? Amen. Now, this climax is what Paul was making reference to here as everything that God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. Amen. The reason why I'm pulling this out here is because just as how the seven kingdoms of this world, amen, they are meant to take. Now, please understand, okay, the curriculum of the seven, seven kingdoms of this world, it was over a span of several thousands of years. That's the truth. Amen. And these things were laid out, all right, in farming all of humanity, all right, bringing all of humanity into conformity with the image of the beast, the image of the Antichrist, amen. In Daniel's vision, you see that there was actually more beasts than just one beast, but the one, the last beast is one that could not be described. Daniel chapter seven, you can read that again in your own time. We've already gone through that. Hallelujah. But this shepherding of humanity, amen, is a process that Satan stole from God, amen. This was actually what God had prescribed for New Testament saints to be a part of. In fact, it was actually captured with the Old Testament saints given to them by the seven feasts of Israel. Where what would happen is that the trumpet would sound and all of Israel would gather to the tabernacle to feast with God. It would happen with during Passover. It would happen specifically at, at least three of these feasts, okay? Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles, okay? During all of these three feasts, all males must be present before God. Hallelujah. And by before God here, I mean the, te the temple of the Lord. Amen. The tabernacle. Hallelujah. Anyone that did not partake of these feasts, all right, was destroyed from the midst of the people and they bore their sin. What does that mean? Amen. If I feast on this world instead of feasting on God, I am going to experience sin. I'm going to experience life as though my sins were not being forgiven. Does that make sense? This is what happens to many believers. You see a child of God, they make a mistake or they stumble, okay? And they begin to, um, whatchamacallit, they begin to continue down that path. What ends up happening is that they live lives as though they were not cleansed from their sins, as Second Peter chapter 1 would say. Amen? The life that God has prescribed for us is a life where God is the one that is steering the direction of our life. Amen? But the way that this happens, for this to actually happen, it does not happen as automatically as we would want it to, unfortunately. Amen? And I say unfortunately, but at the same time, not so unfortunate. I say not so unfortunate because of this. Because the way that it happens is by feasting on God. Amen? Feasting on these seven impartations of the spirits of God. Feasting, amen? Hallelujah. Feasting on Jesus. Amen? The scripture has prescribed for us seven distinct measures of God's glory that we are meant to worship God with. Amen. Remember what Satan said to Jesus? If you will worship me 
I will give you these kingdoms. God wants us to do the same thing for him. That's why Jesus' response, let's go back to Matthew chapter 4. Hallelujah. Jesus' response, let's see here from verse, um, I'm using the Message Bible, so I'm going to leave the Message Bible, go back to the New King James, amen. Okay, um, I think from verse 8, let's look at this, aha. And Satan took him to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, okay? This is what the feast comprise of, okay? When God wants to dominate someone, okay? That is what he has for us. Now, I'm going to get into this in a second or whatever, but he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. This is exactly what Satan brought to Eve. Amen? <clears throat> and to be honest with you, this is actually the function of all cherubim. Amen? What they're meant to do is that they're meant to house glories of God that point people to God. I know this because if you read Revelation chapter 6, when the seven seals, man, it is so difficult to not see these two as synonymous. But anyways, we'll thank God. We'll look into that. We'll trust God for our understanding later on. Hallelujah. That's crazy. Anyways, the seven, the... The living, four living creatures in Revelation chapter 6, as the seven seals of the book of life are unsealed, amen, they continue to beckon for the man-child company to come and see, come and see, come and see, amen? And that is, that is synonymous with what Satan is trying to do here when he showed Jesus the kingdoms of this world and their glory. The difference is that Satan is in darkness, so all he can show Jesus is the corruption that he is, all right? And he's saying, I'm still functioning like God had me function before. All you have to do is worship me. <laughs> a little perversion there because we don't worship angels, right? Angels will tell you, worship God with the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy, right? Hallelujah. So we worship God, okay? All these things God will give to us if we will fall down and worship him. How did Jesus respond? Away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. And him only shall you serve. Hallelujah. How do we worship the Lord? Someone says in spirit and in truth. Amen. In spirit and in truth. We are meant to feast. Amen. On the spirit of God. We are meant to feast on the truth of God's word. The reality, the tangibility, they are prescribed for us in these seven feasts given to the Jewish people. Amen. I'm trusting the Lord that we will come into understanding of the significance of all of these feasts. And we'll be able to see them, we'll, we'll be able to see ourselves. What now happens is that our Christian walk will, will then begin to, will begin to modify things where we see our Christian walk, our lives, all right, as a way of experiencing God. Amen? We're not trying to go to heaven. <laughs> That's not the goal. The goal now is how can we experience, how can I feast on God? How can I enjoy all of these things? The end goal of feasting on God is something called the kingdom of God. Amen? And his righteousness. How can I feast on God's glory? How can I dine with God? This feasting doesn't just take place when you're spending time in prayer. That is a part of it, right? Again, I explained before that these feasts is the Holy Spirit seizing our faculties. Papa shared something with me once that each during each of these feasts is a specific offering that is meant to be brought that's unique for that time and that season. Amen. And what you find is that in your Christian walk, there's usually something specific that the Lord needs from us to manifest a portion of Christ. 
And I spoke before about the restructuring of our lives. Amen. That's what faith is. So as we go from one level of faith to another level of faith, there's a measure of restructuring that is necessary. Amen. I command this book to be the laws of God and stuff flying around. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Now, as you align and structure yourself, there's going to be different things that are demanded of you. These things demanded of you, they will free up your soul to dine and feast on God. Sometimes God will tell you, stop embracing malice. Embrace forgiveness instead. Amen. Stop looking at Instagram. Look at the Holy Bible. Amen. Stop watching TV shows. Go and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Stop hanging out with the cool kids and chatting away and wasting your time. Go and show love to this person. Stop allowing this sickness or disease to reign in your body. Amen. Let Jesus Christ rule and reign instead. Hallelujah. As we, what happens that when we encounter, when we come to these seasons, it becomes pretty obvious as we spend time in fellowship with God, what the demands of that season are. And it's our objective, our desire, our goal to present our hearts to the Lord. Amen. So that these faculties, water can be poured on these faculties of our soul. And in the Tasmanian devil, amen, the worldliness that we have accepted to be um, the instructor of our lives can be driven away. Amen. That influence will no longer be, can no longer be identified with us. Amen. The truth is that in Christ Jesus, they cannot be. But when you have belief systems that say contrary wise, Amen. The Bible says we nullify God's word. God's word can be nullified by our traditions, by our ways of life. For this reason, God has a different tradition for us, and this tradition is feasting on God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Do you want to make sure I got everything out of my notes? Yes. I'm going to read some notes here. Christ is the meal. Amen. That is who we are in Christ Jesus. We are to feast on him. He is our seven-course meal. Amen. The seven courses of Christ are seven feasts that we are to partake of. Amen. This part here was, I don't think this was given to me by God. I think this is just me. I'm not going to say it then if the Lord didn't give it to me. Hallelujah. Let me just leave that alone. Amen. But um, I'll wait until when I feel like the Lord is warranting that. Amen. But basically, the, the seven course meal of Jesus Christ Revelation 3, behold, I send the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, let him open up to me and I'll dine with him and him with me. Amen. The Lord wants us to feast on him in this season. I spoke with a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Peter, big shout out. And then he said something. Um, everyone should be praying right now. That was just what he said. It's something called the sin of prayer, prayerlessness. But I have God's spirit. <laughs> I love my friends and they love me too. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I'm going to wait on the Lord until when I have permission to say that. Amen. <laughs> um, everyone should be seeking God right now is what my friend said. And this was because of an experience that he had. And please, the, this, this period of time that we're in right now, we just finished with Shoshana yesterday. Hallelujah. Tuesday. Is that correct? I think I'm right. Hopefully I'm right. Um, today was the day of Gedaliah's fast. Jesus. Did I pronounce that right? Get the lies fast. Yeah, I got that right. Yeah. Well, Hishana ended yesterday. That's correct. Um, next week is Yom Kippur. Hallelujah. Then Sukkoth, what we refer to as Tabernacle, starts on the 10th of October. Hallelujah. Uh, why am I saying all of these things? Amen. 
I want us to, as a, you know, I'm, I'm already doing this, you know, we had the fast today, but I want us all to not be ignorant of the priority of this season. Does this make sense? There is something that God is doing right now in our midst, amen? And he has these things laid up for us, amen? We want to make sure that we're going to be able to partake of this blessing. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Excuse me. For us, this will look like digesting operations of God, amen? Manifesting, amen, character traits of God. Um, this might look like us coming to greater understanding of the scriptures, deeper love walk, amen, deeper communion, less distraction, less conformity with the image of this world. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I hope this blessed you. Amen. I hope this was a blessing to you. Hallelujah. Um, we are continuing again on the trend um, that was kicked off during our Watchman Prophetic Conference. Amen. Um, this is a season where the Lord visited us powerfully, amen, and many things were said. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you to um, make yourself available um, by feasting <laughs> on the messages that were given to us online. You're going to see them on our YouTube page, um, our Facebook page as well. And if you're having difficulty accessing that, keep in mind that the sessions that were not live streamed because of the internet or some other funny issue, these sessions will be made available later on. They'll be premiering on YouTube. So keep an eye out on our YouTube page for more stuff. And if you see posts on our Instagram and other social media pages, please help us share them, amen? It helps spread the word out, amen? And we trust in God for an outbreak on the social media space, amen, like never before. This is word for now, hallelujah. Uh, Pastor Francis Seabor sends love and his greetings, amen. And um, tomorrow is Melchizedek School. Melchizedek School of Priesthood. Amen. We kick off at 4 p.m. at Cave Adula. I want to encourage you to be there. Um, we're trusting God for, I feel like, and we'll see what the Lord does. Amen. Um, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us, beloved. Um, I really hope this was a blessing to you. I hope this encouraged you um, to feast on the Lord. Um, someone would ask, what does that feasting look like? You can start with where you're at. Amen. Oh, yeah. So we have youth vigil on Thursday night as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But yes, um, I hope this encourages you to seek the Lord um, in your own way. And by in your own way, don't be lazy. <laughs> Amen. Because you're not lazy when it comes to feasting on Satan's life. Amen. Many believers, the reason why they have been living the way they've been living is because of years of dining on the civilization of this world. Satan is not a red um, mutant creature. Amen. No, Satan's life is appealing. Hallelujah. There was a reason why he was confident that he could tempt Jesus in the book of Matthew chapter four. It was because he knows how beautiful he is. It's captured in Ezekiel chapter 20, 28. Hallelujah. So what I'm saying here is that the beauty, the wisdom, the splendor, the glory of these fallen princes, amen. Um, there, there's an appeal that registers in our soul that God wants to deal with, amen. And we can only deal with these things by feasting on God. Hallelujah. So what do we do? We acknowledge what Jesus Christ has said before us, amen. The fullness of his life, amen, is for us to experience and enjoy. What is feasting? Feasting is the experience of it. We just jump in there, engage the processes of God, engage everything, amen. And we don't allow anything to hinder us from enjoying all that God has for us. I want to thank you so much for joining us this evening, beloved. I really hope this has been a blessing. Jesus loves you. You have a blessed night in Jesus' dreams.